Can you have a relationship with a thing? Not really. Can you have a relationship with a, a God with a little G? Well, you're not sure. You're just trying different things. You do religious ceremonies. Can you have a relationship with Jesus? Absolutely, because he's a real person. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you have to go on. It is not something that you can opt out of, like spam calls or things like that. You instead <laughs> are required to do it, and you're either That's growing right. or getting weaker in your faith. But we want That's to right. be the Salty Pastor gym where you pump That's your right. faith up and make it <laughs> strong and powerful and know what you believe and why you believe it. And that's the only thing we can do um, ultimately to help you is just encourage yeah. you and come alongside you and challenge you. But you have to do the work. It's not something yeah. we can do for you. So and we give you the tools and we give you the truth and we give you this, the, the, the focus and, and the encouragement and the inspiration and the hope. And we desire that to just really stimulate your own growth. Absolutely. So my name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And we can't do this without the salty pastor himself, whose voice you heard <laughs> if you're not watching already on our YouTube channel. Dr. Douglas Peak, welcome back, Pastor. We missed you. We always love having Pastor Harv on. That is a fact. Yes. But it's always a little bit different without you, Pastor. Well, it's good to be back, and I'm glad I'm here. And we're, we're on that last little few days before the Christmas Eve service celebration. Very excited. And I will say you're sounding a little congested. How are you feeling? <laughs> You've been battling some illness over the last week as well. Yeah, well, probably the last... Uh, uh, nine to 10 days of my life have just been, boy, I was really sick and I'm just now coming out of it. I'm about 70%, I'd say. Um, just still having it. I thought at first it was a really bad case of COVID, but I, uh, got tested and they kept coming back negative. And so they think it, it's a really unique uh, strain of the flu. Mm. And uh, and that's I been think, going around. We've heard some, yeah, some pretty rough reports. Some pretty about rough that, reports so. of it. It just hit me pretty rough, pretty I guess. And so well, I'm still trying to come out of it. We'll be praying for you. Thank but you. If, you. if you guys hear his demeanor and tone be a little different, <laughs> just give him grace. But he wanted to make sure he was here for you guys. He wanted yeah, to make sure as we absolutely. head into Christmas, we are giving you the salty pastor mm -hmm podcast that you all love and crave so, finish the year strong yes absolutely so this weekend is the culmination of our celebration of christmas yes. i was thinking about how christianity has brought so many celebrations to society that they all enjoy now whether they'll yeah. admit it or not where they came from <laughs> society really loves some of the some of the celebrations that christianity came up with yeah now they? they're trying to steal them away from christianity by uh, practicing it's called in logic the fallacy of genesis and so what they do is they're like well i'm gonna try to describe where this came from and that invalidates it well, first of all, that's a logical fallacy. So anybody and everybody who does this, can I be salty for a moment? Always. Is an idiot. Um, <laughs> uh, but second of all, it's just historically inaccurate. You know, uh, one of the biggest things that happens in, in our world today, this is really popular among millennials, is this whole notion of, well, Christmas and the trees and all that is all about Saturnalia, you know, and it's it been popularized in media. Uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, sitcom the big bang theory i do 
Are you familiar with that? Well, there's a, a video of Sheldon uh, talking about it, and he, a lot of people believe this to be the case, you know, because Sheldon is supposedly like the highest IQ person in the show, right? Right. You know, and he's winning Nobel Prizes and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I have a video here real quick. It's only about 40 seconds, but let's show it. Hey, Sheldon, are you and Leonard putting up a Christmas tree? No, because we don't celebrate the ancient pagan festival of Saturnalia. Saturnalia? Gather round, kids. It's time for Sheldon's beloved Christmas special. In the pre-Christian era, as the winter solstice approached and the plants died, pagans brought evergreen boughs into their homes as an act of sympathetic magic intended to guard the life essences of the plants until spring. Uh, this custom was later appropriated by Northern Europeans, and eventually it becomes the so-called Christmas tree. And that, Charlie Brown, is what boredom is all about. Well, there you have it, the old uh, myth that uh, it was a pre-Christian. That was really interesting. He noticed how he said that. Mm, a yes. pre-Christian thing and blah, 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 blah. The, uh, uh, the problem with it is this is all complete bunk. Uh, first and foremost, the reason why we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ on December 25th, is because Mary was believed to have become pregnant on Passover, okay, in April. So if you add 40 weeks to the Passover uh, in that time frame, it's December 25th. Right. And what you'll always notice, this is the other biggest flaw in the logic about this whole notion of Saturnalia, is that Saturnalia wasn't even celebrated at this time. It, it it was never celebrated by the Roman Empire ever. There was a ceremony called Sol that they tried, that they instituted, but that wasn't until the fourth century uh, AD, after so Christ after was, Christ yeah, 400 years after, yeah. he, and it was an attempt by one of the Roman emperors to make Helios. Uh, the God of sun, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was his family crest or whatever. Right. He tried to reform Rome and bring it back, but that didn't work. As a matter of fact, from the earliest on, there is a carving in the Vatican today about uh, uh, an early guy by the name of uh, Hippolymus, um, and the way you say his name is H-I-P-P-O-L-Y-T-U-S, uh, Hippolytus of Rome. And he lived in the early 3rd century, so around 220. Okay, so he was 100 years before uh, Constantine, the emperor, who was the first Christian uh, emperor of Rome. Okay. So prior to that, and they talked about, he talked in his writings how earlier people celebrated the birth of Jesus on December 25th. Saturnalia was something that they never uh, celebrated. It had nothing to do with it, and it, but it's about the solstice, which is usually around the 20th or the 21st okay. of December, which is the shortest day of the year, right? Yes. Because the tilt of the planet is the farthest away. However, the whole notion of Saturnalia is also discredited by the fact is that these people live very close to the equator. The closer you get to the equator, the less that has an impact 
on the seasonal cycles. For instance, way up here, we're pretty far north. Yes. Right? And so... We are boy, feeling that northern. Yeah, the, the shortest day of the year uh, tomorrow is not fun. <laughs> you know, the sun comes up at 8 and it goes down at 5 and you're like, man, it's freezing. And you don't get a lot of sun. But the closer you get to the equator, that that effect is mitigated, meaning right. it's not nearly as dramatic. Mm -hmm. And so... The differences are so much fewer and far between. And so it has nothing to do with that. Uh, Hippolymus, uh, Hippolytus, excuse me, talks about how it was based on the notion that the early church believed that Mary became pregnant at Passover. And when you just mm. add the math for the gestation period, weeks. yeah, it's 40 weeks, you end it December 25th. Okay. Okay. So that's a pretty significant shift, I think. And um, but even if they, even if that aspect is not even accurate, you know, what if yeah. he was born middle of fall? Sure. The idea of just celebrating the fact that he came here is just as important. It doesn't ma really matter. Like, there's a Shakespearean yeah. birthday, right? We don't. Yes. We don't know the exact date of Shakespeare's birth. We kind of assigned him one and just said, yes. here it is. We're just going to celebrate that Shakespeare was alive. Yes. This is a very similar idea, right? We don't yeah. We don't know for sure, but it doesn't really matter. It's like, it's the same thing. I mean, this is super, super, super um, unimportant, but it's like, when I adopted my dog, they don't know when his birthday was. Yeah. So they said it's May 1st. But you have a dog. Like, I have a dog. And so I was like, he's your dog. He's my dog. He exists. And just because I don't know when he's born doesn't mean I don't go, okay, well, he still has nine years on this planet. And we're just going to assume that it was the 1st of May because that's when they thought it was. And it's not, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. He was still here. We still celebrate that he exists. And... That's what matters. It doesn't matter if it's on the 25th of December or we did it in, you know, some people have been pushing for Christmas in July for a long time. We could do it in July if that's what people are really excited about, but whatever. Exactly. And I think the point of that is simply this, is that the notion that the birth of Christ in its celebration was taken to preempt a pagan ceremony because the people were pagan is a complete myth. It's a fallacy. It's a lie. And young people are taught this in popular media to try to discredit the veracity, the foundational aspects of Christianity and what it stood for. These people who studied it, they took it seriously. Mm. They took this stuff seriously because they were serious people. Right. They, they were not this shallow, media, Hollywood, materialistic-driven type people that most of the people are today. Right. They weren't like that at all. They were completely they were different. different. <laughs> yeah, they were made very differently back well, then. Well, what I think is interesting is, so we, we see this scientific evidence, we see these people that mm -hmm. spend a lot of time studying this and doing this, and then we see what the culture has done as far as going, yeah. you know, this is this, and you just know this, and, you know, we see that example in the video clip that we watched. It's, mm -hmm. there's, it's really hard for people to find their way home. They're kind of directionless because they're getting 500 different messages. And especially with the internet now, people can say anything they want and the legitimacy of it is mediocre at best for most of it, right? And so yeah, and our world a, will, our world basically mixes up all of the directions yeah. and covers up things all the time. So it can be really hard if you're lost and you're trying to find mm -hmm. truth to find your way home to truth. Yeah, and that's what... I talk about all the time about the 
the difficulty of deconstructionism, and that is, is that people spend all their time saying, well, this is why you can't believe in Jesus, you can't believe this, you can't believe this, but no, very, very few people stand up and say, but this is what we actually do believe. Right. And so nobody knows what they actually believe. What they're really, really good about is telling themselves what they don't believe. Mm, yes. But the problem with that is you never live life because you don't believe in life. You don't even believe in yourself. You don't believe in your reality. You don't believe in love. You don't believe in anything, right. you know? And it's like, man, what a cynical way to live. And this is why deconstructionism and postmodernism always leads to absolute hopelessness, meaninglessness. And this is why the suicide rate in, uh, amongst millennials and Gen Z is at its highest it's ever been mm. since they've been tracking it for centuries. Absolutely. And they're just absolutely shocked. And and what's amazing about the birth of Christ and why we still celebrate it and why we make these affirmations is because the it's not only true saying, hey, you can believe that this is true. It also says this is how it happens. These are the directions. The, this is how you do come home. This is how you find yourself. This is how you discover who you were meant to be. This explains why you are the way you are. It's clearer than those Ikea assembly guides. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the greatest truths in the birth of Jesus Christ is the actual directions, the step-by-step -step things that happen in your own life, the steps you take in order to come to faith. And that is, you can't go home if you don't know how to get there. And the birth of Jesus, Christmas, actually tells you the directions mm -hmm. on how to get there. And that's what's really amazing. If you step back for a moment and ask yourself this uh, question, and that is, how do I have a relationship with a thing? Okay? Let's say you have a car, right? Now, my first car wouldn't go in reverse. It was a VW Scirocco, and it was a little four-speed. And in order to get it to go into reverse, uh, the linkage got out of whack. And so I always had to park in ways that I could, like, roll forward, you know, or go forward. I couldn't park and have to back out, or I'd have right. to push it out. And so the relationship I had with my car is don't ever park where you're where you have to back out, you know, right. don't ever do that until I could fix it. And that took quite a while, but I was eventually able to do that. Um, now let me, you, you know, earlier you said you have a dog. Yes. How do you have a relationship with your dog? Uh, I, I mean, I'm basically his caregiver. I mean, I don't know. What do you mean by relationship? <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah, that you're proving my point, And that is, is that, well, I, I have a dog. I know my dog. I love my dog. I take care of my dog. Well, what do you mean a relationship with my dog? Because right. it's like, well, I sort of do and I sort of don't. Right. Because it's just odd. What about a relationship with a person, though? Can you evaluate whether you have relationships with people? I mean, yeah, we, we understand a relationship with a person much better because we have more of them and they are more, I don't know, pastor, you're making me think too hard. I thought you were the one that was supposed <laughs> to do all of this. Well, let me ask you a question. Is a God, not God of gods, Lord of Lords, but 
God, a God, like let's take Brahma or Dharma or what some, these people said, or uh, in the New Testament, they, or in the Old Testament, excuse me, they talked about uh, Baal, uh, these gods, or Ashtoreth, or these other gods, these uh, pagan gods of the Roman kind of uh, pagan uh, uh, religious Mount Zeus sort of a thing. Right. And so are those gods, are they more like a thing? Are they more like a pet or are they more like persons? I guess inherently we understand how to have a relationship with a person innately, right? Like yes. That that comes natural and obviously that looks different from, for every person and how they do that. But for the most part, we understand how friendships work, romantic relationships work, all these things. With a God, that's significantly less clear and, you know, you know, a thing as well. It's like, I don't know, how do you have a relationship with a yeah. thing? Like, and Pastor Harv talked about this. Like, we have relationships with brands now, and that's almost become more yeah, natural to us than talking to each other. But for the most part, you can walk in and understand how to have a relationship with someone. As, as far as having a relationship with a God, that's significantly more. So God becoming a man, Jesus says what about the directions it says the way you know god is by knowing jesus you right. see and and john records this in chapter 14 of his gospel you know let me read the following words is jesus is talking to his disciples his disciples are troubled okay he okay. says first one do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So he just says, I am, what is he saying? He's saying, look, I don't worry about it. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house and I'll come back and get you. You know where I'm going. So of course, Thomas, the brightest uh, bulb in the apostleship says, <laughs> Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know we, the way? <laughs> we love Thomas. Thomas keeps it simple for the rest of us. <laughs> so Jesus, so the teacher just says, you know, the way to the place where I am going. And the first thing he blurts out of his mouth is what? We but don't know we where don't you're going. <laughs> Could you just Teacher see Jesus question, for a second? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's going on. I think, you know, uh, if, if I were in that position and I was Jesus, I'd hit my head against the wall and just say, <laughs> I just told you, you dimwit. <laughs> but no, Jesus is God. He's not me. Praise God for that. Yep. He's got more patience than we do. <laughs> he says, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. She's so saying, you know him, you've seen him because you know me. Mm. Philip said, well, Lord, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. 
And Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work or his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So you see, Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what he's doing is he's saying some very specific things about the directions on how to get home. Mm. He goes first, he says, look, the you that is you is spiritual in nature. You have a soul. And this is about your heart. And your heart is troubled. Your heart is upset. Your heart is dissatisfied. And when your heart is troubled, you're troubled. Your life won't make any sense. And our biggest trouble in life is not having a place where we belong. Uh, uh, we live completely isolated lives. Um, the, the revelation of the pandemic is how lonely and isolated people are. And second of all, how devastating it is to live in isolation. We look at what happened to kids who weren't able to go to school. And we thought, well, as long as we have them pull up their computers and they get on there, they're going to get the same information. They're going to be fine. And it turns out, no, they've lost years off of their education. Their IQ development slowed down. Their educational process was stunted. Why? Because they were in isolation mm -hmm. and they were removed from people. Isolation is the greatest struggle of the human heart. And sometimes we can even be with people and around people and still feel all alone. Our hearts are troubled because we don't know who we are and we don't know the place where we belong. And we grow up in a society where mass media tells us you can't believe Jesus because that's a myth or a joke. And so the first thing he's saying is that you have to know that there is a place where you belong for your soul. So I think, like you said, there that sense of belonging and and having community really, yes, I mean, community is, is so important because us here in Idaho, we didn't suffer nearly as bad on yes. the lockdown as a lot of people did. Yeah. And I talked to some of my friends in more liberal states that really like locked down yeah, yeah. very isolated it was like they're traumatized over it yes. like they were like we're like not and so it's like they're just now kind of getting back to normal and it's yeah. like it was really 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 hard for them and so yeah. if you're living your whole life that way where you're living in complete isolation from your spiritual home that can also be very traumatic and it can also really affect how you operate and how you function could you imagine for just a moment if you were born into the pandemic during the lockdown and you lived your whole life till you were 25 that way? Mm. I mean, just extend that for a little bit. Right now, I mean, the unrest in China is unbelievable because they're trying to have this zero COVID policy and they're right. trying to, and people just, they're writing, they cannot live this way. And yet spiritually, that's how we are born and raised. We were born alone, isolated. Uh, in in a pandemic of sin and 
and uh, lockdowns away from God. Right. And we have people telling us that you need to stay away from God, stay away from him. There is no place for you. There mm-hmm. is no, you know, freedom from this pandemic. And yet Jesus comes and in the midst of his kicks birth, the door in and he kicks the door in and he just says, look, I am the way. And I, where my father's house has many rooms. There is a place where you belong. There is a place where you're home. You don't, you are not isolated. You are not alone. You are not spiritually abandoned. You have a soul and I have come to save you. I've come to save your soul. I've come to save you from the pandemic. I've come to save you from this this uh, corona of evil that is trying to destroy you. And I'm not just a vaccine, you know, I'm a whole new immune system. And so I've come in, in the, the place where we belong is when we listen to Jesus and say, yes, you're right. Where God is, is where I belong. Uh, it's represented through Jesus's words as a home or a house. God doesn't have a house. When I was little, you know, I thought, oh, God has this big house with lots of rooms in it. That's not the point. <laughs> there's, lot, there's songs. There's kid songs even yeah. about big houses with yeah. lots and lots of rooms. Yes. And so it, it's a metaphor (laughs) for crying out loud and saying, and the point is, is that there's always room for you because you belong there. You are not meant to be alone spiritually or even materially in this world. Mm. Yeah. I think like you said, like we've been talking about the, the, the pandemic really opened our eyes to the need for that and to the need for belonging. Cause it's like we had there was a lot of churches that chose to shut down as well during the pandemic and the amount of people that joined our church for the time that the pandemic was going was crazy because they're like, we just want someone to spiritually lead us and our church shut down and no one will talk to us. Yeah. And we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And this is the time we want and need God more than ever. And we're feeling abandoned. And so it's like, not all those people stayed. A lot of them went back to their old church and that's totally fine. We we're happy to be that spiritual refuge for them during that time. But it just showed people still need that care, still need that belonging, still need that home spiritually, even when others are going to fail them. So, well, and I think that's, what's so significant about Jesus is he came into the midst of this world that was filled with, you know, all of the mess. And he's saying, look, I've come to show you the way home. Number one, there is a home. You belong there. And this is, this is how you find it. You find your way back when you find me. And Thomas mm. said, well, we don't know where you're going. And he goes, well, wait a second. It's, it's, it's not where I'm going. I'm not a means to an end, right? I'm not your bus driver in life. Right. Uh, what I am is I am the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You, I am the way mm. by knowing me, you know, God, because the father is in me and I am in the father. I don't do anything apart from my father. So what he's saying is that, look, here is the, the Trinity. We are one. We're distinct persons, but we're different uh, as distinct personalities or manifestations, but we're all one. We're not independent of each other. We are together as one. And so that's what we talked about earlier, uh, I believe, when we were talking about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You know, the Gospel of John talks about that. I'm going to bring this up in a, a teaching uh, during the Christmas special on mm. uh, December 25th that I want people to 
to sit down and watch with their families. We're going to talk about that, yes. how the difference between the Gospel of Mark. Do you know what the Gospel of Mark, which was the first biography of the life of Jesus written by John Mark, do you know where it starts? It starts with the baptism of Jesus. It skips the whole... Yeah. It skips it skips the prequels. <laughs> it does. It skips everything. It, it skips starts right to the starting point. Yeah, it starts with the baptism his of ministry. Jesus. Yeah, his ministry. But what's really interesting is then you read the Gospel according to John, which was the last biography written. And there's probably a 20, 30 year gap maybe between those two. We don't uh -huh. know quite sure. But what's really fascinating about it is this is that in there he goes uh uh chapter one, verse one of the gospel according to John, he says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm. And that is so fascinating. And then in verse 14 it says, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So John says, wait a second. The coming of Christ in his birth is part of the invitation to return home because this is how we know we can return home because Jesus is God. He came from home. He was flesh, but he wasn't just exactly he yeah. was from god absolutely and he is god right absolutely and so that's what's critical in this invitation is that we find our way home by finding jesus it's in him can you have a relationship with a thing not really can you have a relationship with a, a god with a little g well you're not sure you're just trying different things you do religious ceremonies can you have a relationship with jesus absolutely because he's a real person so jesus is not only telling us there's a place where we belong yes but this is how you get there. how to get there <laughs> absolutely well we thank you guys so much for joining us today thank you so much for being with us this whole year as part of the salty pastor crew um we're gonna have another episode on thursday make sure you tune in for that and then obviously this saturday we're doing christmas eve services at 2 3 30 and 5 on campus and yes. then those will also be broadcast online and then an additional four that will be online only. And it's going to be great. Make sure you go to foothills.org slash Christmas if you have questions about how to do Christmas. And then obviously, like Pastor Doug said, we've got a whole Christmas service debuting on Christmas Day, Sunday, yes. December 25th for you to watch with your family at home since we're all about home this year. Yes. We want to focus on you guys being at home with your family. So thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Merry Christmas.